One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that leverages the power of the song story to help reveal our guests' personalities and personal histories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Brooke Wagenheim. Brooke was born in Manhattan, then lived in Toronto and then Cleveland before coming to Florida for high school and college. She then moved to North Carolina. She says because she prefers mountains to oceans. From there, she moved to Minneapolis, where she settled for almost a decade. Brooke has worked in the food industry since her teenage years and says she felt the significance of natural foods and read and learned everything she could about organics, veganism, gluten-free, macrobiotics, and alternative medicine at a young age. Her talent for cooking was revealed early in her college years in a job at a health food store where she was hired to juice and make smoothies but ended up being the chef's assistant. She moved back to Florida and worked as the chef running Ada's Natural Foods Deli Hot Bar and Juice Bar. She then opened up her own place, Chef Brooks Natural Cafe, in 2009. And while she's not open for in-cafe dining at the moment, she is making food and doing touch-free pickup. And that's where we went to record her episode. And away we go. Hey there, Chef Brooke. How you doing? Hello. Good day. It's good to be back uh, here at 1850 Boy Scout Drive. That's the address, right? It is. <laughs> I know that because I worked at the Broken Niblick down the street or down the hall here. Um, what is Richard, Broken Niblick, Mike? Broken Niblick is a golf shop that I worked at in high school and then in my 20s. Uh, Richard asked me to send him the address, and I went to look it up, and as soon as it popped up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember 1850, Boy Scout Drive. Been around a long time. Been around a long time, yeah. I actually worked there. Um, they used to be over on um, Dana Drive. I worked there when, in high school, and then they moved here like in 1991 or something like that and been around forever. So how long have you been here? I've been here for 11 years. Um, uh, how is things going during this time? I mean, you haven't had in-person customers? Yes, the dining room is closed, so it's been a little bit slow. But we have the diehard regulars still calling in for their takeout. Um, my food is pretty well known in this community and everyone who's been here before knows it's all homemade, organic, uh, allergy-friendly for those who are vegan or gluten-free or macrobiotic. They know they can come here and get food that's you know prepared mindfully and with love. Do you miss? I mean, I presumably you miss you know having people sitting around, you know, the chatting, the the banter. Or is, are there parts, are there, are there upsides to not having all these people around too? Well, I always kind of jokingly thought that I really didn't want to have to deal with customers anymore, that I really <laughs> just wanted to cook in the kitchen all the time. Right. But now that I have that and I have, you know, just my cooking and rarely seeing the customers because we're touchless, uh, I, I absolutely miss it. Mm. Well, hopefully we can get back to it soon. Um, so you were born in Manhattan. Yes. I was. How, how long did you live there? We only lived there for about a year and a half. So you have no memories there? No. Okay. So then you went to Toronto next? Yes. How long did you live there? We were there for about six years. Okay. So do you have some early memories there then that absolutely. you can flash back to? Mm -hmm. Anything musical that you can go back to from that time? Uh, not really. I was really trying to dig deep and about uh, some influences in music in my with that had to do with my parents, but I really don't have that many. Hmm. 
I think they probably listened to, you know, the, the 70s music that was out at the time. But I don't rem- remember any specifically. What about, uh, so then Cleveland was next. So do you have musical memories from that part of your life? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, uh, my family took us to concerts and musicals and you know theater productions and stuff so a lot of really classical um sort of broadway or classical music um my dad took us to the michael jackson thriller concert wow it was a really amazing concert. <laughs> so you got to see Michael Jackson during the Thriller yep. tour. Incredible. I think that's the first. I don't <sighs> think we've had that I'm on sh- this. I'm trying to imagine <laughs> seeing him do Thriller live. It was my, just my daughter, unbelievable. My daughter's eight, and she's loved Thriller for like two years. It's like her favorite thing, and she has no, she's never seen the video or anything like that, just because, you know, the zombies and stuff. But like... It's a big part of our, of our music life. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, do you remember the first music that you owned? Yes, uh, Led Zeppelin LP. Uh, I had a record player, and did you choose to have Led Zeppelin oh, as yeah. your first? Yeah, yeah. Why? Um, I think I didn't. Although really I do have to ask somebody why they picked Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I think uh, if I mean it would be almost impossible for me to tell you my favorite band of all time you know people say what's your favorite band I I don't know but if if they do you know insist upon it I I guess I usually just say Led Zeppelin because I really like um, classic rock and stuff like that you have uh, posters concert like posters and stuff up here on the on the front of the bar Um, is that stuff that you've been to is that stuff that you've collected off ebay is that more decoration exactly. or um, is it no i haven't been to any of those um shows i think i'm too young but uh, i it was a great um project that i had just looking on amazon and picking old concert posters and then having them laminated and posting them in my cafes because i'm such a big music fan and I love all of those bands a lot. You have music playing here. Uh, is that like you mentioned Pandora? Is that what's feeding out to the? Yeah, usually we'll pick about three seeds and make my own station in Pandora. Or if I feel like it, and I love that they have this capacity now to do that, um, I'll just play a, a CD, specific CD. Oh, what would be a CD that you would want to listen to through? You know, because most people are piecemeal these days. Yeah. Um, well, recently I've listened to uh, Air, that French band Air. I really like them a lot. And I like um, the Massive Attack. And I'm a big fan of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. I listen to them all the time. Um, real quick aside, I got to see them over in West Palm Beach back in 2005 when they were doing like a reunion tour and my daughter's name is Guinevere and we got to the show late and we were walking to meet our friends back on the field and they played the Guinevere song while we were walking across incredible it was like "Ah!" that's incredible (laughs) yeah um uh uh did you ever play musical instruments as a kid uh well I tried the piano and I didn't read music so I just taught myself 
by ear how to play the piano. And but I was never that good at it. I mean, just basic things like chopsticks and you know stuff like that. And so you're you had a piano in the house then? Yeah. So was was music part of your your family's lifestyle, or was that just because people have pianos? I think we just had a piano. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I tried guitar, but I was very bad at it. My hands are really small. I don't know if that hinders your playing ability, but. You could get a three-quarter guitar. Mm-hmm. There's like um, like kid size ones, and that helps if you have smaller hands. The frets are closer together, and yeah. Yeah, I should have done that. It's not too late. It's not too late. That's what I always say to people. You can learn guitar, <laughs> and you could learn. Anyone can become a functional guitar player in a year, no problem. You just got to pick it right. up every day. That's thirty what I minutes. Tell people. Um, okay. Um, um, so did you? So you never played like in the band in high school or anything like that. No, I did sing, though. I was in theater. Oh, okay. Uh, what shows were you in? Uh, we did a rock and roll musical of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay. <laughs> is what specifically is I'm, uh, in my mind. What did you play? I was Doc. <laughs> well, I uh, never got the part wait. that I wanted. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I mean, there's, it's mostly dudes in that show, right? So you had to be, I mean, Snow yeah. White's the only I female, right? There's a queen. Oh, there's um, a queen. That's wait, true. Okay, I have an, it, it, was there a rock and roll version of Hi-Ho? Uh, no. No. There wasn't. But I do remember the words of most of the songs. I mean, I would just... I remember coveting the the lead and, you know, wanting to sing. <laughs> Can you give us a little, a little something? Um, do I have to? You don't have to, but, you know, it would be but good. It would be fun. <laughs> have you got anything for an out-of-work fairy? Any little job I can do? A spell or a trance? Give me a chance. Spread a little magic dust and give me my cue. Got anything for an out-of-work fairy? You want to see how talented I am? (laughs) (laughs) Apart's what you make it, so watch how I fake it. I can get you out of a jam. Very well done. You went from I'm not going to do this to closing your eyes and doing it. How do you do it? You asked me to. That's what we do here. Um, Okay, so it is time for your first song. My first song is the vampire song by Concrete Blonde. (laughs) Did you have to remember which it was, or did you? Well, I was trying to remember the order in which I had them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, so do you want to tell a story? Do you want to listen to it? How do you want to handle this? Uh, Yeah, I I was living in Gainesville. I just started college and I had a hairdresser who was an editor of a vampire magazine called Vampire Junction and you can't just blow past a vampire magazine it was just oh she was so cool what is a vampire magazine like explain for vampires it was like about vampires it was (laughs) (laughs) both actually it was a, a vampire junction was the name of the magazine and I, I guess you could call it a zine. Okay, yeah, yeah. And she had all of these uh, wonderful perks. And specifically, one Halloween, she got 
a dozen tickets to the Anne Rice Vampire Ball in New Orleans. Wow. And she and 11 of us drove to, we rented out an entire bed and breakfast in the Garden District and went to the Anne Rice Vampire Ball. Just as soon as we got there, we got there at like four in the morning, I remember, uh, parked in front of the bed and breakfast and cracked open a bottle of tequila as soon as we got there for a shot. And then I remember it was so cold. That year it snowed in New Orleans, and we had to go to a thrift store to get clothes because we were all... Underprepared? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember not 30 minutes after we got to the bed and breakfast, one of our cars got stolen from in front of the bed and breakfast. Wow. And... I just this song just reminds me of that time period in my life. We made playlists for the road trip and that song was, you know, the first and the last song of each playlist and was pretty. And this I'm trying beloved. to do the math of um, I'm guessing about how old you were. This would have been like during the peak Anne Rice era because there was like peak Anne Rice, you know what I mean? Like it was like she was everywhere, vampires, the whole thing. Was yep. that about that time? Well, I remember it it was early 90s. I remember um the interview with the vampire, the movie had just finished production. Oh, so it wasn't even that so so you were ahead of that curve anyway, right? So we were we actually did some sightseeing while we were there and went to the the uh graveyard in which they had sets still up hmm. from the movie. Hmm. So we got to see that. And it was my first trip to New Orleans, so it's one of my favorite places to go. I've got some friends there, and it's just a lot of fun. Not, I'm, I'm more of a Frenchman Street person than a Bourbon Street person, but I still I love going there. What kind of car did you guys drive up there in? Uh, we had a Lincoln Continental. That was the one that got stolen. And I had my Mustang. What era Mustang? It was a 86 Mustang. Fox body. My yeah. first car. Yeah. Did it have the big 5.0 engine in it or was it just a little? No, it was the like LX. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's imagine uh, you driving in your uh, your LX Mustang listening to this song. Uh, it's Concrete Blonde, the vampire song. Um, Bloodletting is Bloodletting. Yeah. From the uh, 1990 album. Or is the album called Bloodletting? The, the title is Bloodletting, parentheses, the vampire song. Okay, well, what a great dismount that was. Let's hear it. Must have felt pretty good rolling into New Orleans listening to that. Oh, singing, yeah. I can imagine you guys all singing like that part where it gets all chorusy and stuff. Oh, was I envisioning yeah. correctly? <laughs> oh yeah, it was great. Oh man, um, do you keep up with Vampire Zine publisher person at all? Uh, no, I think we lost touch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wh what made you go to Gainesville? I mean, you went there for school, I presume, but yeah. why? Why Gainesville? Uh, I I liked that it was north. I liked that it was hilly. Mm -hmm. um, had you moved to Florida before you moved to Gainesville? Like yes. your family had moved I, to? Okay. I lived in Naples for high school. Ah, okay. So that's, that. I was going to ask. So you came, your family moved to Naples then basically? Just me. Well, my mother was living here. Oh, okay. I had been living with my dad in ah. Cleveland. And then I ended up moving 
in my fr- freshman year to Naples. What was, what was that like from like Toronto and Cleveland and Manhattan to Naples? It was bad. Hot and flat? Yeah, <laughs> it was bad. I wasn't a big fan, and no. I still am not a huge fan of Florida, but, you know. Here I, you are. Here I am. <laughs> uh, so Gainesville, any music memories there, concerts? I mean, it seems like you would have stumbled across <sighs> something while you Golly, were in Gainesville. So much. Uh, I remember this one amazing party we went to at the Rock Quarries. Um, we got there before dusk, and there was this reggae band playing. And then after this, after it got dark, I remember there wasn't any. They unhooked the band, and just there was just a lot of drumming and girls with pretty dresses playing flutes and spinning around <laughs> did you uh did you spend any time at burrito brothers um i didn't but it sounds familiar it was uh it, it was a um i lived in gainesville for a while it was a little burrito place right in the middle near downtown or whatever you would call downtown in gainesville and i remember when i was there in 1991 they had a sign that said, you know, any burrito place that's been in business longer than the freshman class has been alive. <laughs> it's worth it's worth it. I yeah. thought Yeah. Well, I know that the um River Phoenix the Phoenix family had a little cafe. Mm-hmm. I think it was a vegetarian cafe. They were all veggie heads. When did you end up in the natural food world? When did that track start for you? I think it was a couple years later when I transferred to UCF because of the business school program. I got a job at a health food store, and the the chef kind of saw my talent and passion for food. And having been hired to make juices and smoothies, I ended up becoming his assistant in a very short time. And was responsible for filling a 10-foot deli case with homemade food. Hmm. And that would have been still, that was like the 90s, right? Early 90s, mid-90s? Yeah. Health food stores weren't nearly as common back then as they are now, right? No. And I was, I was really into it. They had a huge, this particular uh, health food store, it was called Chamberlain's. And they had a huge book section, and they allowed us to read the books and put them back. Mm-hmm. And I read every single one of them. I remember I was I was totally um, immersed myself in learning everything that I could about, you know, organic food and alternative medicine and the different types of diets like macrobiotics and fruitarianism and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, So you moved to Gainesville and then you moved to uh, Orlando so you can do the business school, you said. What was your intention at that point in time as far as what you thought you were going to be doing with your your life and career? Uh, I had been in the food industry working in restaurants um, since I was 14. So I did the hotel restaurant management not knowing exactly what I was going to end up doing. Um, well, you ended up managing a restaurant. <laughs> I sure did. 
And yeah, so, but I knew I had a, a big passion for food. So I think it, that made it kind of apropos to just go into hospitality. Hmm. Uh, North Carolina? After I finished college in Orlando, a friend of mine from a job that I had was moving to on top of a mountain in Boone, North Carolina. She asked me if I wanted to tag along. It's a nice area. My and sister said, went to Lee's McRae. Yeah, and I said, <laughs> heck yeah. I always wanted to live in the mountains. How long were you there? Um, I was only there for eight months. Uh, okay. Mostly because everyone I met was happy just working in a cafeteria, making 10 bucks an hour, smoking pot for the rest of their life. And I just, I needed more. I wanted more than that. There's probably still some of those people still doing that there. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, so then Minneapolis. Yep. Uh, and you were there for a long time. I right? was there for eight years and I ended up just kind of going there and ended up, I didn't even have a place to live, really. I found a, a Craigslist type of website where I found um, a room for rent, myself and my two cats, and it ended up being a creepy, scary dude. So I immediately had gotten two jobs, one at Whole Foods as a cashier. Uh, they did not... Uh, trust my talent in cooking hmm. and didn't put me in the kitchen. They put me as a cashier, which I whined about for the whole two weeks that I worked there. <laughs> and a wonderful coffee house where the owner of the coffee house ended up letting me and my cats move into his attic to live for a month because the place where I was staying was not a safe place. And so I moved into their attic and helped them clean their attic for rent until I was able to get my own apartment in Minneapolis. And why did you choose Minneapolis? Did you just like throw the dart at a map and end up there? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Did you ever see Prince while you were there? No. <laughs> but I went to his club. Yeah. I saw... Uh, Elliot Smith there. Oh, cool. His last concert, his last tour. Wow. Awesome. Wow. It was so weird, too, because I had never been to a concert solo before, nor had, would I ever even have thought to go to a concert by myself. But something told me I had to go to this. Hmm. And now I'm really glad I did because I got to see Elliot Smith. Yeah, no, I would have would have liked to have been able to see Elliot Smith for sure. Um, peak concert experience? Uh, you've all the concerts you've seen. Is there one that you know maybe besides that one? Um, I want to say the Grateful Dead hmm. because it was just such an amazing experience to be able to go to a Grateful Dead concert. Where was that? Um, it was in Atlanta. Okay. And it was just so very beautiful. I was, I mean, I've always kind of been a, a hippie at heart, but I just really connected with that sort of ambiance. And I love the clothing and the music and the spirituality. And 
it was just amazing to see. I mean, I had never been to a concert where there was all of this vending outside uh-huh. and people sitting there making grilled cheeses and burritos <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. You know, it was just so. Did it was did so it, cool. Did it smell like patchouli? Oh yeah, it was <laughs> definitely um, a great experience. Have you have you ever had a bear on your car? Uh, yes, yeah. I have. Yeah, I have. Was it a Cadillac? No, it was the. It was. Was it the Mustang? It was the Mustang. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you ever uh, get a chance to see any shows, or did you ever go to Live Oak, uh, Spirit of the Swanee? There's a outdoor music park there that's built into. It's a campground that's made for music festivals. That's in the middle of a forest, right up the road from Gainesville. Yeah. No. And the senior painting there about like the Dead Show. That's what they do. A Spring Fest. They do a Mag Fest. They do some other ones, and that's exactly what that is. It's just everybody comes. Everybody camps. It's awesome. Yeah, I I wish I could say I have. Um, however, in Orlando, where I made the largest group of friends that I'm still friends with today, in when I lived in Orlando, we used to all go to a campsite and pitch our tent and listen to this amazing uh, local band called Bluesberry Jam. Hmm. And that was so good. It was wonderful times and a lot of good times. I'm uh, flashing back to Gainesville here. Um, Natural food being served by Hare Krishna people. Did you ever eat the Krishna food? All the time. (laughs) All the time. That would like that. There could be a dotted line from that to this. Absolutely. In fact, I, I visited and I mean, in my young state of mind, I was even like, huh. I could do this, but of course that didn't happen. Luckily, I moved. Oh, away. you mean you could like be a Hare Krishna yeah, I, serving I was so, brown rice to people? I couldn't believe symbols. how good the food was. And yay! All right, we got an order. Yeah, I um, we're working, so I'm gonna go ahead go and ahead. take it. What this. a great ringtone! Chef Brooks Natural Cafe. Good day. Let me guess: chicken tacos. Would you like a fairy cake today? Anything to drink? Maybe some magic mushroom soup? Okay. I will get that going for you. Give us about 10 to 15 minutes, and then call us when you get to the parking lot. Enjoy the AC in your car. Thank you. Bye-bye. Rike? One chicken tacos, please, for Shabala Lala. Uh, I I assume that's a regular... Uh, she's sort of a regular. Okay. She's just clairvoyant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can Extremely. feel it through the phone. <laughs> I, I know what everybody wants. I know what everybody <clears throat> orders. She hasn't ordered. She hasn't been here for months, but I do have caller ID, so very oh, good and, memory. Uh, so are you able to, like, store their names in there so when it pops up you see their name or you just... Uh, no, it just uses like the directory. Oh, like, right, right, when right. you call. Either I see their I'm names... Like, I'm, like, like channeling a, my... This is a uh, landline yeah. mic. Yeah. Right. Or it says... It, sometimes it says wireless, so I don't know who it is. But I also remember people's voices pretty well, so. Hmm. <coughs> so. So, yeah, Hare Krishna food Hare all Krishna. the time. Yeah. Very delicious. Planting the seeds for the future. Mm-hmm. Exposed to the vegetarian cooking very early. Have you been vegetarian? Are you vegetarian? Are you vegan? Like, where, are, where do you fall on that spectrum? I'm yourself? mostly vegan. Um, I do partake 
a little. And, of course, I taste all of my food. So my menu is very vast and varied, and we do everything from, you know, wild salmon and cod to chicken. And sometimes I do curries, uh, Thai, Indian curries with beef or lamb. But every single thing on my menu can be vegan. So we are very popular with the vegan crowd because we can do pretty much anything vegan. It's, and I prefer to cook vegan. It's, um, I'm not vegan, but I think it's fair to say that it's easier to be vegan now than it was maybe even when you opened this cafe. Is that, is that fair to say? I mean, are there just more, more options in terms of um, ingredients and things like that? Well, I've been cooking this way for decades, so it's always been easy for me to cook vegan. Um, I think because of our the the torment of our agriculture and the you know animals and everything, I think a lot of people have been gearing towards becoming more you know vegetarian or vegan these days. So there's a lot more people who want it. Right. But it's been around forever. Yeah, I guess it's maybe what like I'm thinking new. is like it's easier to go to the store and get stuff rather than, I mean, you've, yeah, obviously people can make vegan food if you know how to do it. Yeah, I think there's more vegans now than ever before. And, and there's more substitute products now. than yeah. ever. Like, yes. like when I was growing up, there was lack. No, lactate is still milk. There was almond milk maybe when I was really little. Oh, no, there was soy milk when I was little. Yes. Almond milk wasn't. I but mean, they I'm sure might it not have put it in every store. Almost no stores. Yeah. You had to go to like health a health food store right. and they had the one brand because that was the brand they could get distributed to them. And now you walk into a Whole Foods and there's a shelf yeah. of just milk substitutes. You can get milks and at Publix yogurt. now, the and, veggie oh, yeah. milks. Yeah. And you used to have to go to Ada's. Yeah. <laughs> that was how it worked. We'll get yeah. to Ada's in a second. Um, so you were in Minneapolis for eight years. Eight wonderful years. Did you end up cooking somewhere while you were oh, there? Oh, yes. I figured you I probably were several... in an attic of a coffee shop for eight years. Oh, yes. That was when I first got there. I had to get a job right away. But um, I had a lot of really cool jobs in Minneapolis. Um, I cooked at the the biggest health food co-op in the Midwest called the Wedge Co-op. And I was one of about 15 cooks there. And they saw my talent so much so that um, they had me not only cook the recipes for their deli to-go cases, but would also have me make the soups of the day. And eventually I became a baker there as well. So I was trained... Um, as a baker, bakery goods, cakes and muffins and scones and cookies and all of that. I learned a lot at that job. But another really cool job I had in Minneapolis was the the Black Forest Inn. And it was a very old German restaurant that had been there for 30 years and I made I was their sole baker and I made all of their desserts black forest cake we would make our own cherry kirsch brandy and all of the zocker torts I made 91 layers of strudel dough every single day from scratch and uh, I would make all of their breads like over 40 loaves of rye bread every day and 
um, pretzels, hand-rolled pretzels for the beer garden every day. Um, wow. All of their 144 <laughs> dinner rolls, you know, everything made by hand every single day. Uh, I thought that my wrists would never be the same, <laughs> ever. Uh, Richard and his wife are big uh, ba- yeah, bakers. I, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a cook, and Chrissy's a baker, and I've, <coughs> I've branched into baking because you have to. So I, I make puff from scratch every couple weeks. Nice. Um, well, I, I make Queen Amon a lot, and you have to have it for it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I make a lot of I, – I, it's a labor of love for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that place still open? Oh, yeah. It's still open. And the kitchen where I baked in with the owner and his assistant and my dishwasher, there were only four of us, but the kitchen was about 3,000 square feet. Wow. I mean, it was wow. literally the biggest kitchen I've ever worked in. Is this her? Is this your order coming in? Uh, well, probably. She'll call. Yeah, no. she'll give us a jingle. Well, okay, I just figured you. Okay. Um, she'll call very soon. I mean, we have people in Minnesota who listen. So, nice. you know, you could send them on over and tell them. That would be so <laughs> great. Brooks sent them. <laughs> um, so I loved working at the Black Forest. It was very difficult because I was responsible for all of this baked goods seven days a week. Um, I remember I remember that they were so they had everything the way that they had ha- always had it for so many years and yet one day because they would make every single thing from scratch I was so upset that they threw away the pickle juice when they made the fresh pickles. I started using the pickle juice in my rye bread and made it into the pickle, dill pickle rye bread. And it was the first time in decades that they changed their recipe for their Reuben sandwich wow. with my dill pickle rye bread. Do you still make dill pickle rye? I could. I mean, <laughs> bread Mike's making got plans. Is <laughs> yeah, now. I might try that. So good. Bread making is such a full time job that I make everything here in the cafe from scratch except the bread because I just don't have the time. Yeah. I was going to say, when you were there doing that seven days a week, what time would you get there in the morning? Like four in the morning. Yeah, you must, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm quite versed in bread making, but again, it's a full-time job. Well, that's like um, I make um, – I, I fell down the rabbit hole of making ramen, so I make, I make ramen from scratch, and it's great, and it's fun, and I roast the pork and all that stuff. Wow. But I have made noodles – I won't be making noodles probably uh, again unless yeah. I feel. Uh, you unlocked that life achievement. Yeah, now I you made can it. Buy your noodles. Yeah, and so and I <laughs> and I felt kind of bad about it because I was like, you know, I made all this other stuff. Why can't I? Why don't I just make the noodles every time? But then I learned that all those ramen shops, um, they don't make <laughs> noodles. They they, make they buy their noodles from a noodle shop and they don't make soup. They make noodles and they sell them to the ramen shop. <laughs> like, so so you know, like the bread, it just it takes over everything else. And if you're running a restaurant. <laughs> That's a whole. You need a full time staffer just for bread. Yeah. So and most people don't realize there's only two people that run this restaurant. Yeah, this place here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a two person show. Before coronavirus, we had three, but you know that's it. Like whenever you call here, you're always going to talk to me. I'm the one that answers the phone, that cooks the food, that you know does most everything. Yeah, you made for us. Uh, a pumpkin vegan gluten-free muffin 
and a blueberry and lavender uh, non-gluten-free but also vegan muffin. They yeah, we delicious. call them fairy cakes. Fairy cakes. They're oh, delicious. I was going to ask what the fairy cake was. I guess that's the fairy All cake. All of my vegan cupcakes are called fairy cakes. It looks like you finished the gluten-free one. I'm going to eat the other. Well, the, we got out of the song. We finished the song, so I wanted to stop. This Which is, one uh, do you like better? I like the blueberry lavender better. Yeah. I like that it's a the lot. It's p- one of the most popular it's baked goods that I make. delicious. So, yeah. So you have regular, you have non, non-vegan muffins, but if they are the vegan version, they are... Fairy, fairy cakes. cakes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I make all sorts of stuff, like regular classic muffins mm-hmm. and scones and... Hey, another call. Probably picking That's up probably the chicken heard. tacos. Yeah. Ta-da. Chef That's pretty good. I like that. Yes, ma'am. It's just about ready. I will call you on this number as soon as it's safe for you to come in. Okay. Stand by. You're living the bread life. You're making bread most days maybe would you say most days <laughs> more, um, more than uh, not uh, up until this week i mean no i mean two or three days a week usually okay. this week i've taken off bread vacation yeah All giving right. bread to d2 a little break <laughs> i'm gonna uh, <laughs> bread to d2 <laughs> is your uh your bread yeah, yeah, i'll bring it up i'm gonna bring it oh, up okay. with her yeah are you are you gonna make the instagram page for it i, I you don't need know. to make the instagram we'll page for we'll, it Mike. we'll see i don't know i think you could get a I following I, make, I, I probably could that would be you know <laughs> that'd be something <laughs> it certainly has a ring to it it's great i i just envision a future where bread 2d2 has died but we're running yeasty boys <laughs> bakery and podcast studio and we use red 2d2 as the tip jar oh <laughs> like that's man. in my head how i see it are you gonna have to take it out or okay so this is great uh chef brooke has there's a there's a little um antechamber between the outside door and the restaurant and so you've been doing like airlock food delivery kind of like you put it there and then you come back in here yep. and then they come in and they pick it up <laughs> that's pretty great your, your phone is multiplied there's two phones. There's two phones. Ambidextrous. <laughs> <laughs> you can just grab whichever. We, um, we, we used to work with um, a guy named Luke Martin at the radio station. And Who's he now, is, he's now Luke Flannery. He and Mike Cosden had Cool Hand Luke's. <gasps> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they ran, it was a vegan ice cream, ice cream shop, shop. Slash music venue. So slash coffee cool. shop. Like, yeah, they, um, uh, they, with no prior training or planning... Uh, decided to open a coffee shop that had ice cream, and they wanted the ice cream to have a vegan option. And so I gotta say, like, uh, I mean, I still preferred their dairy ice cream, but the vegan ice cream was definitely worth g- driving all the way. I mean, we didn't we lived in Cape Coral back then, so it was like a forty minute drive to get to Luke's. Wow! But there were some Friday nights where my wife and I would drive all the way down, go in, get a coffee, get an ice cream, and drive home. <laughs> Yeah. I wish that place was still there. Yeah, I know. Did you ever go there? I did. For music, did you ever go there? No, I wish I would have. It yeah. wasn't there very long. No, they two were years, two years, I think. Two years, yeah, yeah something like that. You yeah. know, I, I saw some interesting shows there. They uh-huh. would just pack that place. And I think they really just opened it so they had a place that they could play. You yes. know what I mean? It yeah. was just like, let's find a cheap place to rent, call it a vegan ice cream shop, yep. and then play music. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was great because next door was um, a comic shop, like a comic book store, and... Um, on, on sometimes on I think Friday nights or Thursday nights they had their tabletop gaming night, 
And so those guys would be there until midnight. And so they would periodically just wander into the shop and buy like espresso and coffee and you know ice cream and then just wander back over. So they had this this neat relationship with the co- the comic book store next yes, door. Yeah, of course, I'm sure. You got to stay up late. Um, okay, it is time for your next song. Um, shall we just put it on hold until you put take the food out, or should we go ahead and t- start it and see what happens? Um, maybe I could tell you a little bit about it, and then we can play the song. Okay, and then. Okay. Okay, so this so, is uh, the the magnetic fields one, right? Yes. Okay. Um, from the '69 love songs, magnetic fields. Papa was a rodeo. Um, I, what while I was in Minneapolis, I volunteered for this political activist bookstore, and there was a radio station, Free Radio Twin Cities, that I got to uh, DJ for for a short time. And everyone who was a DJ would play all this amazing music and would be uh, adding to my repertoire of of wonderful music that I have a passion for. Uh, One day I just heard this song on the radio and I I loved it so much and I didn't even know who it was, but uh, I found out that they made this album with 69 love songs and they're all sort of funny and a little bit joking and just great music. And I just loved it so much. And I guess that was my introduction to magnetic fields um, was that radio show. And it was just lovely. And I think you'll like it too. (laughs) Okay, well, let's listen to it. This is uh, Papa's Rodeo by the Magnetic Fields from their 1999 album, 69 Love Songs. Papa was a rodeo That brings back memories for me, too. Gosh, just, just lovely. <laughs> that, whole, that whole disc is just is, is so unique. You know it what I mean? Very like unique. unique. I, it's the only way I can put it. Um, uh, so you were a DJ. I was. Like, like what? How? Why? <laughs> um, <laughs> For, it seems like it's kind of a departure the from air? the rest of the stuff that you do. Yeah. Well, having uh, volunteered for this bookstore. I did. I planted a garden. I planted like a hundred tulips and stuff for them in the front, and then I also attended their meetings every week, and always wanted to be a part of Free Radio Twin Cities. Uh, I guess just eventually they just let me have my own radio show, and uh, of course it wasn't. It was free radio, so we would always change locations and my radio name was Malika which is a flower in India and I remember once broadcasting from a shed in North Minneapolis behind someone's house and the FCC knocked at the door while I was broadcasting and I didn't open the door. I just started playing freedom music, and I was—I remember being really scared and paranoid. But I were helped. You, were you smoking the weed? <laughs> I, I was very scared, and the 
I just remember playing playing freedom music and not opening the door and just eventually they went away, which was nice. I didn't think they were going to go away, but they did. They they left. And so you were you were like a pop up radio station, like a low power station that was that you didn't you weren't FCC approved or whatever. It was like it not was at like, all. It was totally like not bootleg radio, but yeah, it was it was uh, what's the word illegal pirate radio. radio. Pirate radio. Exactly. Pirate so radio. If you are a certain broadcast size, like if you're if you're small enough, you're totally allowed to do that. But if you exceed a certain um, they they measure it by wattage, but really it's just like how far away people can hear you. So like um, when people do those Christmas lights um, and they sync it up to a song, right? Right? They're not blasting that song in their neighborhood. Like you can't he- that would their neighbors would complain. So what they do is they um, put a sign usually with a radio frequency, and they'll just set up a cheap little like a small transmitter. Yeah, yeah. That you can hear from maybe just like, in the neighborhood right there. So you yeah, pull yeah. up your car turn to the channel and you can hear the music that goes with the lights but if you could hear it maybe a neighborhood or two away yeah the which FCC, you could which you could yeah, yeah which you guys then yeah. the fcc will swing by and see what's up i'm sure yeah. that there's somebody in downtown fort myers that's broadcasting something periodically very close to our air signal because mm-hmm. it, it screws up my radios in the house sometimes where it's like i can't quite get us well enough because mm. there's something something rappy playing a little huh. pirate radio station yeah neat yeah. Um, so uh, that magnet, that 69 love songs. I, in 1999, I met somebody through the internet, not through a dating site. It was like a friend of a friend, and we started emailing and stuff, and we kind of had like a, a online relationship, if you will, and she sent me that disc. So that's oh. my memory is like, like, I remember putting it in and being like, what on earth? <laughs> Chicken with the head cut off song. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one that I remember the best. Yeah. Um, How about... How about let's pretend we're bunny rabbits <laughs> and do it all day long? It was good too. Uh, and, and it had sixty nine songs on it, right? Yep. So that must Papa was rodeo must have been the longest song on there, right? I mean, that's five minute long song. I wow. don't remember it being five minute long. Yeah, because there's some real short songs on there. Yeah, some really short songs. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, back to Fort Myers, uh, Ada's. How did you wind up back in Fort Myers? Or in Southwest Florida, I suppose. I I wanted to be close to my mom, who was still in Naples. I missed her. And I just moved back here and immediately felt underdressed even sitting at the mall in Naples. So I basically told her that I want to be near you, but I think I'm going to probably venture out to live in a nearby city of Fort Myers, um, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> so I started looking for a job in Fort Myers, and I, I found um, Ada's Natural Foods. I gave them a call and spoke to their general manager at the time, and he said that they were moving to a bigger location in six months and that, yes, they needed someone to run the deli and the juice bar and the restaurant and the hot bar. And having heard my resume on the phone, he pretty much hired me over the phone, but you know, it was finalized when I went there in person. And so for a while, for a few months, I drove back and forth from Naples to Fort Myers seven days a week. 
uh, and then ended up getting my own apartment eventually. What year would that have been? I'm trying to think when Ada's moved. Um, 2002 or three, I think. Where were they originally? Uh, it was right off of 41, right near Crystal Drive. Right, right, right. Next right. to the Kinkos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And now it's it's still now it's over by like Burlington Coat Factory or whatever. Uh, right? That's where it. it that was moved that was to where it moved the time after the Bonadies family owned it. And that's where we were, and I was there with them for about five years. Uh, and then that particular family that owned it at the time sort of didn't get along, and there was too many chiefs and not enough Indians, and it ended up not thriving anymore. And then another family bought it. So at that, that was very perfect timing for me um, because exactly about one month later I opened my restaurant here. What was that like? What was the thought process like? Was that like you had an epiphany one day and said, I'm going to open up a cafe or like, walk well, us I had, through that? Well, I had been collecting restaurant equipment and I, I, I knew I wanted to have my own restaurant one day. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. And then when Ada's closed, it was fortuitous timing because I had a friend who knew about my restaurant's location now. It used to be called Majestic Coffee Company, and it was owned by uh, my close friend's friend who was from Bosnia. And her husband ended up moving back to Bosnia and leaving her here. So she couldn't run the place anymore by herself. She ended up selling me all of her equipment. And then I just took over the lease. And that was here? Mm-hmm. I don't remember there being a coffee shop here. Yeah. It w- I don't know how long they were here, but it wasn't long enough because they didn't last. And I was able to just come right on in. Um, having been at Ada's and then Ada's not being there and then you being here, did you kind of have a clientele that followed you here? Were you able to start up, you know, because a lot of times that's the hardest thing about starting a business is like, who are you? But you, exactly. you kind of people were like, oh, everybody Brooke's knew opening who up a I place. was. Right. And I also had weekly free cooking classes at Ada's. So I gave a cooking class every Wednesday. I also had a, a column in the news press. I was the natural chef for a very long time and had a weekly column. So everyone knew who I was, and that was the reason why I chose to call my restaurant Chef Brooks Natural Cafe. I, you know, with, I definitely would have called it something different had I known that they would know it was me anyways, but I did, I called it that because I wanted people to be able to find me. Yeah, because you kind of, you kind of were a brand. You kind of are a brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cooking classes. Don't do that anymore? Well, I mean, obviously uh, not right now. Right. Not right now, but I have definitely taught hundreds of classes in my time and will again someday, I hope. Have you considered doing it online? Oh, I was just going to ask. Yeah, you yeah. know, like a YouTube, a YouTube channel, channel. Or, or even live, you can like stream on Twitch or something and, you know, do classes that way. I would love to do that. I think I might need some help with the photography side of it i'm not very good at that kind of thing but yeah i think it would be a great idea 
And I think a lot of people would like my classes because I have a lot of knowledge. I figure. How about a cookbook? Yep. Always in the works. Definitely been working on that. Yeah. Anytime soon we're going to have one? <laughs> my goal is within a year. Oh, okay. How many years have you said that? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that question. From Hopefully soon. Do you have a vegan Everest, like a dish that you have always tried to get just right in a vegan format that you're still kind of grappling with? You mean like something that tastes like something else but made vegan? Yeah, or just like a dish that, that you've, you've made, you know, um, non-vegan and you just haven't quite worked out the kinks on the vegan version yet. No, I can make anything a, vegan. All right. What's your, what's In your fact, I have a cookbook collection. I have thousands of cookbooks. And I don't usually typically even read them or use the recipes. I just look at the pictures, and I can make it. Hmm. Awesome. I had a short-lived ukulele band called Vegan Mosquito. <laughs> That's a great name. Isn't that great? Yeah. It, we, it was almost like we had to have the short-lived band just so we could say that name. And so I could keep saying it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Um, uh, music here in the cafe. Uh, uh, you know, obviously you play at Pandora or whatever, but do you ever have people coming and play music back, you know, when you had people coming in? I have in the past had different people come and play. Um, ASCAB and BMI tend to hear about those sorts of things. So I didn't really want to, I don't know, deal with them too much. So there hasn't been a lot. And it's kind of a small place. Um, so I haven't had a lot. But I have, you know, I had a handful of people. I've had a flamenco music. Um, Nathan, you know, Nathan. Nathan Dyke? Yep. Yeah, of course. And several I can see Nathan in here. He's uh, Cat Apple, maybe? No, but that would be <laughs> That seems great. about right. I'd love to She's, have there's, her here. Uh, since you're not here, audience, there are Fairy houses, tiny, they look ceramic, are they ceramic? Yes. Tiny little ceramic houses hanging from the ceiling throughout the store. I feel like Cat Apple would be yeah. real at home. She'd love it. Um, and then the art on the walls, is this uh, local All artists? All local artists. Um, is it for sale or is it just decorative? Yes, everything's for sale. And, you know, we've always had local art here. The fairy houses are from... Uh, I've long collected those over the years of my time in Minneapolis going to the Renaissance Festival every, every right. year. Right, yeah. So. I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it just feels, it feels like... I'm going to wait for that. Ding, ding, ding. Something's ready. Something's ready. Um, it, it feels like if you took 50% of the rock out of Cool Hand Luke's. Right. This is... Because there's a lot similar about it. Is there a local artist that you that you'd love to have in here to play that you just haven't like other than Cat since you mentioned that kind of Um I think Nathan has been my favorite. Oh no, someone who hasn't come that you that you'd want to get. Um I guess I'm just not up on <laughs> the local <laughs> music. Yeah. I don't really know that many people. I've also had open mic here a few times. That's cool. what I was going to ask, actually. I could see that happening here. It was fun, but nobody ordered any food. And right. I pretty much, it, it was so packed that I pretty much just 
walked around the cafe sweating, filling everyone's water all night. <laughs> so I didn't have that. You much should have fun. a two muffin minimum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it was fun. It was good. And you know, during college I was big into open mic. Yeah. I'd much rather go to a coffee house than a bar anytime. Did you ever get a chance to go to uh, Liquid Cafe? No, but having heard Sarah Comito's podcast, I really wish I would have been a part of that. It was because I think I would have fit, fit right in. Right in, man. It was. Yeah. That was a that, that, that was a peak time, you know, from like '97 to like 2004 or something like that. It yeah. was just. Well, so back good. in college, you could always catch me in the coffee house. It was called the coffee house that I used to go to was called Java Jabbers. And I was there every day, especially for the open mics. Hmm. And I miss that. Yeah. No, it was, those were good times. Yeah. It I, wonder, was. I wonder if friends had an effect on that because that era, right? Mid nineties, mid 2000 aughts, coffee houses, I mean, even in places like downtown Fort Myers, right, where people would literally go and congregate. It was a central element to that show. Yeah. But nowadays, that's not really a thing as much. I, I mean, Starbucks certainly, like, stomped a lot of it out. Yeah, but, like, they did. But, like, I mean, for those of you who aren't in Fort Myers, like, if if you're not in a Starbucks, you're in a Dunkin' Donuts. Those are the coffee shops in our town. I mean, there are, there are places, but, like, if you don't know where they are, there's not there's not a culture here. Of that, but there was. It makes me sad because the, I mean, there's still artsy culture, but it's been squashed and it, it I can't think of the, the exact quote, but it's a Kanye West quote that says something like the, the guitar is like a crap instrument. Anything that, any sound that can come out of a guitar can be made with whatever i had to look up the name it's a it's a piece of equipment that is like a computer generated sound something um and that it just makes me sad because there's you know and that's in alignment with the how people do covers of old songs like you i i wish you could just be creative and conjure up your own music why do you have to do uh, a cover of an old, you know, um, song. So I have, I have good news and bad news. The good, or maybe it's good news and good news. The good news is I found the quote, and I can read it here. Um, the quote is: "Music with guitars is inherently worse than music without guitars. Guitars are shit instruments. There's not a sound you can make with a guitar that you can't make on Fruity Loop, Fruity Loop Studio, which is like a music generator software. The other good news is that that doesn't seem to be a real quote." Yeah, well, so I mean, that came news. to mind when you we were talking about the coffee houses. Is there's there's no more coffee houses, right? And I just it just makes me sad because yeah, it was such a great cultural thing to do, and now it's like squashed. I think it became it, it became a it used to be a place where you would sit. It now it's a place where you buy the coffee. Yeah. I mean, that just seems to me like if but you go... But different cities are different. Like in Minneapolis, oh, sure. oh, there's sure. a coffee house on every corner. Of course. I mean, Seattle, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah. the whole thing. There's so many cities where there's a coffee house yeah. on every corner. So speaking of cover songs, we've got this new question that we're going to start asking, which is uh, what cover of a song do you like as much or more than the original? 
Very few, but the thing that comes to mind is um, The Sea of Love by Cat Power. I just really like that version of that song. Um, and I can't think of many other versions of songs that I like that are covers. They usually kind of irritate me. I think, wasn't Barry Von Bokel, Barry, Barry Von Bokel, Cat Power, wasn't that his band? That sounds he like, fell in love yeah. with the woman. Yeah, and that sounds right. Yeah. Here, I can, I've got a computer that might have the answer to that here. <laughs> so that's, I'm, I'm very, one of our, our, our early guests who was, uh, he's a musicologist artist named Barry, spelled with B-E-R-R-Y, a guy named Barry, like a strawberry. Like the yeah. Um, and he brought the weirdest songs. And he brought the weirdest songs. Uh, one of his songs was uh, these native people screaming. Remember that? Remember that tribe on an island that's like never been the contacted? Andaman Islands Andaman or Islands. whatever. They they haven't they have no contact with the modern world. Um, and uh, I guess I don't even know how they recorded it. But it, well, back in like the '60s, the BBC sent some people oh, okay. there, and they actually recorded yeah. them screaming. Like it's but it's singing. It's songs. like their musical. <laughs> it's, it's it was like a call and response where like an adult you'd hear it, uh, like a guy go like ah, ah, and then like twenty kids like ah, but like there was no tonality or melody that we could that's like discernible if you're like in Western music. Like it, it didn't sound like music. It's music. That was one of his songs, <laughs> but yeah, he tribal chanting, tribal chanting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then he had a uh, Romanian lament, a, lament. A, a, fu a, a funeral lament. So right, where a people poem. cry over a, a, a body. A lament, like traditionally, like a poem that's read about. It's an uplifting episode about <laughs> the loss of somebody, but it has to be read by the person in mourning while they're in mourning to count. So mm. like, so like the recording is a person who's really breaking up reading in Romanian so we have no idea right I mean we we had the translation but you can't we couldn't tell from listening but you could hear that they were in mourning because the person had like just died wow so um do you have any tv theme songs committed to memory that you would like to sing for or with us no <laughs> <laughs> you okay. sang earlier so okay. I'm going to No let that's you fine off I do want to know um uh, do you have any memorized, just memorized? Like, are there any TV shows that are so ingrained that you could sing the song if you had to? <sighs> I just, Saturday cartoons come to mind when I was a kid. Which, which would those be for you? You know, the classic ones like Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not embarrassed to say the Smurfs. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah, the Smurfs, that, that was good times, man. Yeah, I think Tom and Jerry was my favorite. When my daughter was little, I, I remember I, I got off of uh, I got off the internet like the Tom and Jerry everything. Yeah, um, and it was in French, <laughs> which doesn't really pop up much because it's not. It's like they don't talk much. They don't talk. There's no talking. That's what I liked about it when she was little. You, she could follow the story without having to know the words. Understand. But then every now and then, like when like the maid would show up and say something, <laughs> it would be in French. Or, well, ironically, there's an episode where they're musketeer. Jerry and the little yeah, gray yeah, one yeah, are, yeah. are musketeers, and so they speak a little French in that one anyway. So, um, uh, Broadway musicals, uh, stage musicals, things like that. Are you a fan? Uh. For my 13th birthday, my dad took me to New York, and we saw a chorus line. 
and that was a lot of fun. Hmm. Uh, I was really, when I was young, we, I think I knew all the words to all the songs of Annie. Okay. Little Orphan Annie. The sun will come out. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you ever go to shows in town back when we had shows in town? Like, you know, Broadway Palm, uh, Barbara uh, B. Mann, things like that. I've been <clears throat> to a few. Yeah. Usually we try to find um, near Christmas time. I've been to the Nutcracker. I think that was in Naples, though. Not too often, but I do like that sort of thing. What about musical movies? Um, Grease. Hmm. Uh, Annie. Definitely Annie. The what's the one with Christine Aguilera where she and Cher? Uh. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, hold on. Uh, uh, I don't know. Mm, do you do know. karaoke? Hold on. No, 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 no. We're gonna. Well, no. Yeah. Oh, while you're oh, bur- oh, burlesque. Burlesque. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I know that. It's a great movie. Hmm. Twenty ten. Um. You know, I think Grease comes to mind the most. Uh, karaoke? I've definitely done my karaoke uh, in, in my time. I've definitely done a lot of karaoke. Go-to karaoke song? Dreams. Dreams? Stevie Nicks. Ah. Oh, okay. Um, if you were a cocktail or a drink of some kind, what would it be? Oh, yeah, you got it right. I would be a margarita. What would what would be the Chef Brook margarita? Contro. Okay. Patron. Okay. Organic lime juice. Of course. And that's it. Best margarita ever. No salt. No syrup. No zero syrup. Okay. Those three ingredients. Okay. I, the best margarita ever. I had somebody make me a margarita like that once, and I thought when they were making it, I'm like, well, that seems... Lacking, <laughs> and then I drank it. I was like, "Oh yeah. yeah, yeah." We went to go see Dolly Parton in Los Angeles a few years ago, and we, when we went to Venice Beach to walk up Venice Beach, we stopped and got a margarita, and I asked the bartender to make it exactly how I wanted it with those three ingredients and he asked me if it was okay he used that recipe from now on for his margarita like, no I patented these ingredients mixed together so delicious <laughs> I had somebody once tell me how to make like their they had this recipe for a margarita and it sounded so crazy that I had to try it and we had a margarita party and they it was great and I've never made the margaritas this way again but you know what it was you know the little frozen lime aid like the little thing, mm-hmm. you, like little, so you get the this, concentrate, yeah, the concentrate, like frozen slushy, like slushy. Yeah. So you take that little container, which is what, I don't know, probably six ounces or eight ounces or something like that. You put it in a thing, then you fill that up with tequila mm-hmm. and put it in the thing. Then you fill that up with seven up and you put it in the thing. Wow. And then you fill that up with Corona beer Gross. and you put it in the thing <laughs> and you use those r- ratios right. and you mix it up and it tastes just like a, Great margarita. So, huh. so one part <laughs> like, of each of those things. Yeah, one part of each of those things Whoa. scaled up, and and it just was a really solid, you know, you would not have been like, 
you would have just been like, oh, that's a margarita. Somebody made me a margarita. It sounds gross, but I could see how it would taste really delicious. Somehow it just came yeah. together as a, as a margarita. Um, Amazing. Okay, so time for your third song. Okay. My third song is by the Flaming Lips, and it's Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, part one. Uh, my sister married a Japanese man and lived in Japan for decades. And one day, after I had been living in Minneapolis for several years, she calls me up on the phone and says they were in, they weren't they weren't married at the time. It was her boyfriend. So she says, "My boyfriend and I are opening up a restaurant in Shibuya, which is a, the business district in Japan." And we want you to be the head chef. So as soon as I got off the phone, I made a list of things that I needed to get done in order to move to Japan. And I finished that list in two weeks and moved to Japan. Huh. We opened. You didn't add that to your bio. uh, (laughs) Right before I. I knew that because she sent me the songs. Oh, okay. (laughs) Right before I moved there, I went to my favorite record store. It's called The Electric Fetus. And I was one of their best customers, for sure. I have over 2,000 CDs. And I, I went to the front desk, and I asked the guys who were working there if I could bring one CD to Japan and play it at my new restaurant, <laughs> what would it be? And this is, this is the CD that they chose for me. So that, that is reminds me of that time period of my life which was really wonderful and a great experience did you get to play this cd in a restaurant in japan absolutely yeah yep our restaurant was called cosmos cafe and it's still there today (laughs) it is yeah um how long were you there uh i wasn't there that long a few months but i was only there to help with the menu and you, you were know, there to help get, to help it, set get up. it set up. I see. I wasn't. I don't. I couldn't live in Japan permanently because um, it's just too crowded for me. Uh, you have to take the train everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. Like several times a day, you're in a train station, and whenever you got off the train, there were literally thousands of people coming at you from every direction, no matter what time of day it is, and that gave me panic. Almost did gave ever, me anxiety. Did you ever get to experience train pushers? Like the, no. Okay. No, that would have really set me off. That would have been in. I mean, I'm sure in Shibuya they have it, but yeah. like Tokyo, definitely. Yeah. Like uh, the people, the amount of people who can physically occupy the space of a train is is more than the amount of people who will cram themselves in. So so uh, sta- uh, uh, station workers will help to physically push you in. Right, right, to right. pack you in. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I could have handled that. Hmm. Th- that was the only bad thing about the experience was how... Cr- I mean, you literally could not... There was not an inch of space in the entire city where you could be alone for one minute. Hmm. Ever. That's how packed it was. But the food was the best food I've ever had. The restaurants, the just the experience itself was... Phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And so we have Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Part one by the Flaming Lips from the 1994 album Definitely Maybe.
Have you been back to Japan? I haven't since, no. Do you have any desire to? Well, my sister doesn't live there anymore, so... Not really. Not really. It was an experience, and I got a lot out of it. The guy who wrote our theme song is an old friend of mine named Dave, and he, for his 40th birthday, he's like a, he's like a hippie pirate, okay? yes. uh, with a big head of curly hair at the time, and he went to Japan on, for his 40th birthday by himself with a guitar, and he's a really good guitar player, and wow. he said he was just like, like Bob Dylan. He walked around, and everybody just flocked to him oh, for, yeah. for like two weeks. He just played music, and people flocked to oh, him, yeah. and then he came home, didn't the speak Japanese a word, women didn't do any research. love nothing. American men. Love yep. Uh, okay. My, wait, my buddy Ian, uh, he went there as a roadie once, and he talked about how um, over there he he heard from all of the girls he was in high school, or he was just out of high school at the time, and he said they all they all talked like English there was culturally like how we treat French here. Huh. Like they thought it was so romantic oh, right, right. with the way he spoke with an English accent. <laughs> um, okay, well we are stepping on your lunch rush and the phone is going to start ringing here more often, I have a feeling. So we're going to do speed round to end yeah. this thing. Okay. Sounds great. Favorite band of all time? Led Zeppelin. Okay, well you already answered that. You're <laughs> right. Um, if you can learn an instrument instantly without having guitar. to try, Guitar. Yeah. Electric or acoustic? Acoustic. Um, uh, fourth song that almost made it to your list? Uh, probably. Of the list of eighty people there that you have, <laughs> probably. Uh, I I have a there's a band called Tarafta Hajduks. It's a Bulgarian gypsy band, and it was one of the songs on the that album that was very meaningful to me and special. In, in one sentence, why? Uh, it had to do with <laughs> having worked in the wedge wedge co-op in Minneapolis. Um, two of the guys that used to work there as cooks also were like my music gurus of uh-huh. all time. And this huge list that I have is literally music that they introduced me to and that I discovered during that time period. Uh, some of it very obscure, like the Bulgarian gypsy music and some just like some really popular jazz, like Thelonious Monk or, you know, older stuff like Joe Jackson, Nancy Sinatra, stuff like that. Uh, Album you've spent the most time listening to? Uh, uh, Maybe the Joni Mitchell album. That's a that's a really hard question. Um, well, especially if you have two, if you have two thousand CDs, <laughs> then you you have got albums. Yeah. Well, let's let's say Superfly, Curtis Mayfield. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what would your fourteen year old self think of who you are today and what you're doing? Uh, I'm very proud of you. I can't believe you've accomplished so much, even though you didn't think you'd be able to do all of that. You've done it. Cheers to that. Yeah. Uh, new yeah, question that so I, I'm going to let Richard ask because <laughs> I'm really bad at asking. So go. Okay. Um, so of your three songs for the show, you have to choose one to preserve perpetually for the future. Like it will never fall out of no- notoriety. Everyone will always be able to hear it. Two one that you can only it's the only song you can listen to ever for the rest of your life three 
one to be erased for like it stops existing. So I have to choose one of those things. One of those things for each of your songs. Oh, okay. Uh, so one the the one that I'll always be helped to listen to would be the bloodletting, the vampire song. One that would be erased from existence. Well, bloodletting would be the only song you get to listen to. Bloodletting yeah, would okay. be the only okay. song Just that I get to listen to for the rest of my yeah. life. <laughs> uh, the the song that is going to be erased would probably be that's hard. Why yeah. why would I want that? Uh, the Yoshimi battles the Ooh. pink robots. Yeah, and then the uh, uh, preserve for future generations would be the no. Let's trade that. <laughs> You're like Papa Wait a was a rodeo <laughs> can be erased, okay. yeah. and Yoshimi battles the. Pink tr- robots for future generations. We'll always be battling always. Yeah. pink robots. Yep. Um, okay, uh, three people that you uh, will share this with um, who you think we should try to get on. Tanya and Anthony of Remedies Parlor. Okay. Downtown, they own re- the Remedies Parlor. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's two. Um, that's two. That's correct. And... See, I would have said Sarah Comito, but you <laughs> already... Yeah. That's why we're here. That's how we're here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she said me. So it's sad. I don't know that, mu- that many people that are have a huge music passion like I do. Well, the good thing about this show is we found that it works with Yeah, you don't really have everybody. to be a, you know, yeah. I mean... Just, just somebody who you think we should talk to. Yeah. Whitney Hackett or okay. a- Abby Hackett. Abby and Whitney are sisters. And they're both here in the community. Whitney owns a store downtown, uh, met sort of a metaphysical store. Okay. And Abby is always here in the community. Okay. We'll share this with them, yep. and then they can reach out to us or vice versa or something like that. Sounds great. Uh, okay. Any final thoughts before you have to go make a bunch of food for people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just that I couldn't, I wouldn't be happy without music. Like, I, I have to listen to it every day while I'm working. It's one of the biggest joys in my life. Well, all right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you both. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida, and we take it on the road sometimes, too. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and sometimes hosts. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For our parting tune, we're jumping back one year to episode 78 with Mike Cosden, who Brooke says is one of her most regular customers. Mike's first song story was about how he had to, as he put it, safely guard the music that was coming into his house when he was a kid because he didn't want to freak his parents out. Well, one Christmas when he was about 12, his friend Steve Jackson gave him Black Sabbath's Paranoid and literally apologized to his mom as he handed it over. Gathered in their masses Just like witches at black masses Everything about that album is like a preteen boy's dream, I feel like. It, it's written like a comic book almost, you know, Iron Man especially. Right. But everything about it has these elements of like fantasy and science fiction, and it's way over the top and epic sounding. So for a kid that was into like Lord of the Rings and comic books, and hadn't really been exposed to any kind of music that was like heavy or you know subversive at all. This was like I was just blown away by it. 
I mean, it opened my world up to a whole, a whole, you know, genre of new music and um, experiences that I hadn't been ready for. Mm-hmm. So it was a really cool experience, and you know, getting ready for this podcast, thinking about songs I had an emotional connection to, it's a really hard process because you're thinking about these songs that you have a really emotional memory with, like this one. But I feel like at the same time, you're, you're trying to fight this natural urge to like um, to curate what you want to portray to the public as a song that means something to you. So I feel like this podcast is a psychology experiment more than a, more than a music podcast. I feel like you're seeing how people's brains work by having them pick these songs. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. It's it's obvious. It's completely obvious. Earth bender, of course, but it's like I, like I can only pick one. Mike, what kind of bender would you be? I'd be a, a, a robot on Futurama. <laughs> oh.